Okay, we are the last unit in our books. Yes. Unit six. Turn it on. And uh, we want you to turn to 121 yes. in your books. Now remember, you need to get your, your next book today because you're going to need it for next week. And we are starting with the dark side. We're going over to the dark side. All right, that's the whole theme of the first unit in book, the new book, the next book. The dark side, and we're going to be begin talking about that old dragon. <laughs> All right, Satan. All right, and then we go into demons and the paranormal, and then we talk about the battle plan and all that stuff. So make sure I get your books today before you leave. I'll uh, be needing for next Lord's Day. First question uh, Who is a neighbor you're glad you've gotten the chance to know? Anybody who have a neighbor like that? Yes, my surrogate parents when I lived in New York. Surrogate parent, okay. <laughs> you were kind of hesitant, but you're glad you got to know that person. Anybody else have a neighbor like that? Well, my neighbor, their husband abandoned for many years. So I took it over, mm -hmm. and I had a good chat with him on Friday. I'm glad that he's back because I know who's coming to live near me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody had an experience where you were kind of reluctant to get to know that person and then when you got to know them, it, uh, you were surprised at how it, what kind of person they were? Anybody had that experience? You had that experience? Okay, we all had that uh, at some particular point. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life. Someone can read that. People can probably be placed into one of two groups. Those of us who have, those of us who love to travel, or those of us who prefer to stay close to home. Those of us who love to travel relish the relish new experiences, different points of interest, different foods, and different ways of doing things. Those of us who prefer to stay close to home do so not because we don't ever want to try something new, but because we're more comfortable with what is familiar. Either way, travelers and non-travelers alike share one common discovery. Interesting people surround us whether we venture out the world or across the street. Even in our own communities, we meet people of various ethnicities, backgrounds, and cultures. We also meet people who seem just like us at first, but as we get to know them, we find they have diverse personalities and interests. All of these people share one thing in common. They need Jesus. Jesus called one man to go to the mission field in his own neighborhood. Through this man's encounter with Jesus, we see that we don't have to go far to change the world. Okay. <laughs> Don't have to go far to change the world. And what is our point today? You don't have to go far to share your transformed life in Christ. Right, you could do it with the person that living right next door. Okay. And uh, it's good to take that opportunity to do so. Because you never know how it'll turn out, eh? Yeah. Sometimes it surprises us. Okay, let's look at the first passage. Uh, we have, and that's Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Uh, there's two verses there. We can have someone read that, please. 
they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of Gersonis, Gersonis? Gerasenes. Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. Okay, go ahead, continue reading. This statement will not surprise you. We live in a broken world. The news reports mass shootings and bombings on a regular basis. Human trafficking is a global phenomenon, even in our own backyards. Racism is rampant, no matter which racial group you fall into. It's easy to see the brokenness around us. It's easy to talk about the problems out there. But let's not forget that our world is broken because we are broken people in here. In Mark 5, we encounter a man who knew he was broken. Jesus and his disciples had traveled across the Sea of Galilee to an area that was populated primarily by the Gentiles. The moment Jesus stepped ashore, this unnamed man appeared alone. He was alone for a valid reason. Namely, he was broken physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We don't know how he became possessed with an unclean spirit, but his pain and struggle were obvious. His erratic behavior kept him isolated from the community and any family he might have had. The community's only treatment for him was to bind him with shackles and chains, which, which he broke, see verse 4. This demonic strength only caused the people to fear him more, so he was simply left to fend for himself in a cemetery. He was naked, which surely caused him further pain from exposure to the elements. See Luke 8 and 27. So let's look at that verse, Romans 8, 27. Romans? Luke, Luke, Luke sorry, Luke 8, 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had dabbled long time. I wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. Okay. Continue? Yeah. He was in such physical, emotional, and spiritual torment that he intentionally cut himself. This may have been some this may have been some vain attempt to drive out the demons or attempt to end his pain through suicide. This man was not merely a crazy maniac. He was demon-possessed. It's natural for us to want to avoid people with such brokenness, but we're surrounded by people who are broken and hurt. They may not be driven by demons to hurt themselves and others, but they are broken nonetheless, just as we were before we met Christ. Okay. Interesting story, isn't it? Very. The first uh, two paragraphs is... Uh, a common statement that we hear so often and that we just experienced. This statement will not surprise you. We live in a broken world. The news reports mass shootings, just that one last week, yeah. bombings, yes. and they go on continually on a regular basis. That's become commonplace. Yes. You know, uh, when you hear it, it, doesn't, it just doesn't shock you anymore. Uh, you're just wondering how long it's going to be before you heard about the next one. Human trafficking is a global phenomenon, even in our own backyards. Yeah. Racism is rampant 
no matter which racial group you fall into. It's easy to see the brokenness around us. It's easy to talk about the problems out there. But let's not forget that our world is broken because we are broken people in here. Very uh, interesting statement, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, now we need to uh, get a handle on the, the, the setting that, uh, that this is, is given in. Uh, during the first half of his public ministry, Jesus spent much of his time in the region of Galilee, often in the town of Capernaum on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. One day Jesus and his disciples traveled to the eastern side of the sea to the region of the Gerasenes, which was Gentile territory. And we saw how he encountered this man who would break all the chains that they put on him. No matter how many chains they put on him, he could break them. And that tells us of the kind of power, physical power and strength that this man had. Um, we'll see a little bit more about that when we get into our study on demons in the next uh, two weeks. Uh, question number two. Well, consider how this man was controlled, this demon-possessed man. A couple of bullet points we have there in that passage. His erratic, first one, his erratic behavior kept him isolated from the community and any family he may have had. Normally when you have a person in that condition, nobody want to be around them, right? That's true. Why? Because they're crazy, right? <laughs> and you could get hurt, right? That's what we call them, right? They're crazy and you could get hurt, all right? So it's not common that nobody wanted to be around this fellow. He kept himself isolated. And then the second point is, the community's only treatment for him was to bind him in shackles and chains, which he broke. Okay, there was no sandalins in those days. <laughs> All right, so they had to keep him somewhere else. This demonic, this demonic strength only caused people to fear him more, so he was simply left to fend for himself. Where? In the cemetery. In the place where they bury dead people. The graveyard, we call it. Okay, and of course, you know, nobody goes in the graveyard anyway, right? Okay, nobody even passes. Some people used to take a shortcut through the graveyard. And then they had an incident where that changed. And then the, the other point was he was naked, which surely caused him further pain from exposure to the elements. Okay, no matter what the weather was, he was always naked. And then the fourth bullet point is, he was in such physical, emotional, and spiritual torment that he intentionally cut himself. This may have been uh, some vain attempt to drive out the demons or attempt to end his pain through suicide. Okay, so we could see the state that this man was in was not a good one to be in. Yes. And uh, of course, anyone who would be around him would witness all of this that he was going through. Okay, so question number two. How do you typically react when you encounter brokenness like this kind of a person? How do you react? Rejected. Rejection. Rejection, okay. Like the people in his day did to him, they rejected him. Mm -hmm. Afraid, fear, 
Okay. <laughs> Trying to go the other way or run away, okay? <laughs> Play like you didn't see him. You know, I was on a traffic light one day, and uh, and this this fellow was like this fellow. Uh, he was one of those people who walked the streets, and the guy opened my car door. <laughs> Should I have locked? It should have been locked. Yes. You know, I, I, from that incident, yeah. he, he just opened the door and shut it. <laughs> I said, whoa. Maybe it wasn't shut properly. It was shut, it, it was shut properly, it just wasn't locked. You know? Uh, so you can remember to lock your car doors, not easy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, ever since then I've locked my door. <laughs> but that's how we react. You know, you're afraid of people like that because you don't know what they're going to do. No. Okay, one fella had uh, on the traffic light, he had, uh, he had matches and he was lighting matches <laughs> and throwing them at people. Okay, so you don't know how these people are going to react. Yeah. So how do you typically react to when you encounter such brokenness? Fear. Lord, please let the light out your change. So I could go. That's why you look like you're doing something else, like you're just doing music or something. But the reaction is always one of concern, right? Okay. As as if you if if you thought verse one to two were a little strange, wait until we read about Jesus' conversation with the demon, with a demon in verses 8 to 15. So let's look at uh, those verses. <clears throat> For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? And he asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Okay, now if they were your pigs, what would you do? You'd probably do the same thing that man did, right? Take off in the opposite direction. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that verse. Go ahead, somebody read that. Okay, Jesus didn't desire to leave the man in such a state. So he confronted the cause of his brokenness. He called the unclean spirit to come out, and he asked the unclean spirit to identify itself. Throughout scripture, a person's name was associated with his character. So, by asking, what is your name? Jesus was leading the demon to confess the nature of the evil that had enslaved the man. The demon responded, Legion, a Roman legion was comprised of about 6,000 soldiers. An army of evil had possessed this broken man. The biblical writer then presented a shocking picture of the demons entering about 2,000 pigs and the herd rushing down the steep bank into the sea where they drowned. 
While such mass destruction of the pigs may seem cruel, it's important to note that Jesus did not command the demons to inhabit and destroy the pigs. He allowed the demons to go there. Okay, page 125, continue. 26. 26, continue, yes. There are several reasons for Jesus' actions. First, it unequivocally showed the evil intent of the demons. What they did to the pigs was what they intended to do to the man. Secondly, the demise of the pigs demonstrated beyond doubt that the demons had left the man. He was healed. Thirdly, it was a witness to the power of Jesus to heal. The townspeople came running when they heard about their pigs. They should have been amazed, but they chose to fear. What matters most in this story is that a broken man experienced freedom, a restored life in Christ, and so can we. No matter how dark your life is, Christ can transform you by his grace. No matter what skeletons may be in your closet, Christ can cast light into the shadows and heal you. No matter how broken your relationships with others might be, he can open the door to a new day. Jesus is not only in the business of forgiving and healing your past, but he also wants to redeem your present and transform your future. Amen. Okay. All right, so we, uh, we notice uh, some things about uh, that demon-possessed man and about the pigs, right? Yes. What do we notice about uh, that bullet list? A couple of things we, we notice there, at least three things. It equivalently showed that the, the intent of the demons. Yeah, anybody ever thought about the intent of the demons? We never thought about it from that perspective, right? That the demons wanted to do to the man the same thing that was done to the pigs. Oh, wait, so that's a good perspective to think about. And demons, that's what they do. What did the Bible tell us about the devil? He came, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. So what do you think his demons are going to do? Destroy, kill, and steal. Same thing that he came to do. Okay, they're an extension of him. Yeah. And so we see that the second bullet point, the demise of the pigs demonstrated beyond doubt that the demons had left the man. Okay, so that's another uh, indicator there that this man is completely healed. Okay, the 6,000 demons that this man had, had all gone. It's not that there were some stragglers left behind and said, I, I like it, I don't, I'm not going anywhere. They all left. The man was healed. Okay? Well, if he said his name is Legion, and we saw a Legion of 6,000 Roman soldiers. Well, they hang together. <laughs> the, more of them, the more of them, the more damage they can do. And the more they can, they can, they can hold on to that individual. Okay. What does the scripture say? Remember the scripture talks about a demon goes into a person and, uh, and he, he, the man is, 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 is made well. And uh, the demons come back and see the place nice and clean, and so he, he brings some others with him. Right. Okay. And so that's probably what happened with this man. Yeah. Okay. That's why he had uh, probably so many. And uh, the third bullet point is it's a it was a witness to the power of Jesus to heal. Okay. So we see from this that Jesus' healing can be full and complete. The townspeople came running when they heard about their pigs. They should have been amazed, but they chose fear. 
All right, uh, because they've never seen anything like that. All right, uh, so they were fearful. You know, whenever you see something strange, people fear, right? Yes. Remember some years ago when when they talked about that haunted house down on down the road down there. Remember that? Yeah. Remember it was in the news that this house was haunted. And uh, right, it's by Columbus Primary. Yes. Right. And before you know it, the police had to set up roadblocks because everybody wanted to go and see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, people want to go and see it. There's some strange things happening in this house. But that's the way people are. They see, they're afraid, but they want to see it. Yeah. They want to see what's happening. Okay. Nobody ever knew that I was really possessed. <laughs> Nobody had to find out either. Okay. Question number three. When have you observed a dramatic transformation in someone's life? In marriage. Okay, marriage. Okay, that can change. When you give your heart to Christ, right? That, that's, that's one dramatic change. You see how people can change. Anybody else? But besides salvation and marriage, what else? Birth of a child. The birth of a child. People change when they have a child, right? Oh, yes, they do. Dramatically. And uh, you begin to wonder, is that the same person? Boy? Physically and Okay, you're physically and mentally, yes, of course. Okay, any, any, any others? People change when you have plenty of money too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, it's amazing how money can change people, right? Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you get a lot of relatives, hey. You get a lot of relatives and you get a lot of friends. Yeah. But I've seen a couple of people who, you know, like in the eighties they were involved in, you know, drugs and drug trafficking and then they they got saved. Mm -hmm. So they were like, you know, trying to help people instead of Dramatic change. Okay. No, I mean helping people and you know turn around to the Lord uh, thing and they try to change their lives. So I've seen a couple people like that. Mm -hmm. When you have a close encounter with When you have a close encounter with death, yes, that's a, that's a way of changing people's life as well. Or when someone close to you have an encounter like that, it kind of wakes you up to the reality of. Uh, you know, what, what can happen. Okay, dramatic changes, transformations. Okay, as we conclude with Mark 5, 18 to 20, we'll see Jesus' final instructions to the man who had been healed. Okay, so let's look at uh, 18 to 20. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Okay, continue reading. <laughs> Jesus frequently sent his followers to new places. For example, after Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples, he sent them out from village to village to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, Luke 9, verse 2. Later, Jesus sent out 72 disciples to tell others about the kingdom of God. See 10, verse 1 to 12. Okay, let's look at those verses. Um, Luke, uh, this is where Jesus sends out the 72. Um, 
Luke uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Verse 2. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is said before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of, our, of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom would be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Interesting. Yes. Read on. But not this time. Jesus told the once possessed man to go home. The townspeople had begged Jesus to leave their area, but Jesus still cared about their community. He would not leave them without a witness, and that witness would be one of their own. Understand this. God wants you to share your faith story with others, and he wants you to do it now. You can tell of your own encounter with Jesus and engage others in spiritual conversations. He wants to use you to be his hands, feet, and mouth to declare the gospel to, their lo to this lost and broken world now. The beautiful thing is that Jesus has promised, has promised to be with us and to give us the words to say when we speak about him. Whenever they, they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. Luke 12, 11 to 12. God will guide your words and your conversation. And if you are asked a question you can't answer, don't be afraid to say you don't know. When Jesus heals your brokenness and calls you to himself, he's also calling you to participate in his mission. God wants to use you to display his healing power and his ability to redeem. So invite others into your life and let them see how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Okay, a couple of main points uh, we want to point out there. Uh, the first one is Jesus frequently sent his followers to new places. This was not an isolated incident. This is something that he did all the time. Okay, and then the second point is, but not this time, Jesus told one uh, the once possessed man to go home. The townspeople had begged Jesus to leave their area, but Jesus still cared about 
their community. Okay, they were afraid of the incident that they saw. They didn't want to see that happen again. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were uncertain, so they asked him to leave. And then the third point is, understand this. God wants you to share your faith story with others. And he wants you to do it when? Now. 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 No, that means don't put it off. Not next week or next month or tomorrow. Now. In other words, there's no time like the present. Okay, whenever you encounter somebody, you know, do that. You have an opportunity to do so because you don't know what that person, what will become of that person in the next moment. You know, you've heard me tell you the story about the DEA agent that I met at the embassy one day and we walked down Bay Street and never talked about Jesus and the man died. He was killed a couple of weeks later. I think it was the next week or something like that. You know, and that was a that was a, a shocker. That was an eye opener. So anytime you have an opportunity to share, and that's why he says, do it now, because we are not promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. Okay, we're not even promised later on this evening. That's right. None of us are promised that we're going to go into the 11 a.m. service. Anybody got that promise? No. We don't know. Jesus can come at any moment. Any moment. Okay. So the 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 key there is now. And then the fourth point is when Jesus heals your brokenness and calls you to himself, he also, he's also calling you to participate in what? His mission. Okay, he's not calling you to be saved, satisfied, and stuck. Okay, he's calling you to be saved, satisfied, and ready for action. Get involved in his mission. Get involved in his work. Question number four. How can you use your story to transform, your story of transformation to share the gospel? Praying for others. Praying for others. Some of us have an interesting story to tell. Isn't that so? Don't you think that your story of transformation can move somebody? Yes. You know, think about how you got saved. The kind of life you lived before you got saved. Some of the things you were involved in and how God changed you. Think about what your life might have been like if you hadn't changed. Think about the person you used used to hang out with and what happened to them because they didn't change. Yes, our story of transformation is a good story to tell. And it causes some people to wake up to the reality of what they're living. Okay, um, I used to hang out with a a couple of guys, two guys in particular. One of them was was into karate. He was a friend of mine and we were into martial arts. And we would go out to the South Beach pools where it was isolated and practiced. The other guy who came with us, he said he would come along to do that too, but he would go and smoke drugs. <laughs> he would go and smoke marijuana. And he was very polite. He would say, you don't mind if I smoke this joint here. <laughs> you know, and he would go off by himself and he would smoke his marijuana joint. And when I got saved, the guy who I hung out with, my friend, he disowned me. He got angry with me. He got upset with me. He, he refused to be my friend. And if, I, if I'm driving down the street and I see him, he would turn his head the other way. And we used to go to church together. In fact, he was the one who took me to church. Okay? But see how people change. I don't know what happened to either one of those guys. Okay? After I got saved. But our stories of transformation can change people's lives. And so don't hesitate to share the gospel and your story of transformation. Question number five. How can your group shine a light on areas of brokenness in your community? How can we shine a light? Now we know there are brokenness in our area. We are all familiar with Mason's edition, right? Yes. 
Yes. Okay, and the, and the brokenness in that particular community. And we know how we have made a difference. Mm -hmm. Shining the light, going there, doing uh, park ministry and meetings. So that's something that we can continue to do. Okay, the point. Point. You don't have to go far and share your transformed life in Christ. Okay, how far do you have to go? Your backyard. Your backyard, your neighbors, to next to the, the, the wall of your yard, the fence of your yard. Right in your house. Okay, probably the, the, the co-worker that's working next to you, the next desk in your office. You don't have to go very far to share the story of your transformed life. Okay, let's see how we can uh, make this application. How will you share Live it out. That's page 128. How will you share your transformed life in Christ this week? Consider the following suggestions. Write. Write down the names of three people in your life who are far from God. Sure, many of it could be more, more than three people, right? Pray daily for an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with each one. That's a good prayer request. And then walk. Walk across your street. Hop over your fence. I wouldn't advise you to hop. Oh, no, no. Okay. Probably walk to the fence. Or knock on the cubicle next to you. That's an office. Knock on the cubicle next to you. Be an office that have cubicles that separate people. Start a spiritual conversation with someone you see on a regular basis. <laughs> Someone that you always see. Start a spiritual conversation with them. And then research. Hasn't science disproved Christianity? How can you take the Bible seriously? If your God is so loving, why do you believe in hell? We can respond with grace and intelligence to the questions of skeptics. Launch a study with a book like Jeremiah Johnson's Unanswered or the Holman Quick Source Guide to Christian Apologetics. Those are two good books. Get a chance to get them, get them and read them. That'll conclude your research. So if you don't have to travel far to share a transformed life in Christ, the first place God calls you is often not across the world, but across the street. Or probably just across the room in the office or the workplace. The question is, will you go? Amen?